understand the principles that are contained therein to apply to our own lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. So um, we're dealing in this chapter with unconsecrated ministers, but she says a lot of things in here that, you know, if it applies to us, uh, then we should certainly uh, take heed and take uh, the warning because all of us are supposed to be in some sense uh, disciples and make going out and making disciples. And that's all ministers really do is they go out and they make other disciples. All right. Um, so she starts out in this uh, chapter talking about those who preach the third angel's message. And she says that uh, she's talking about how in the first paragraph, uh, what they do with the funds that are allotted to them. Um, this could be, you know, the evangelistic the evangelism budget or whatever the case may be. Um, and she says that that the ministers or those that are leading out in this work, I'll just put it like that, that if they exercised any degree of economy, they would not want, they would not be in want for anything uh, in, their, in their ministry. She said, but if they lack um, this, uh, I guess, sense of economy uh, or money management, then, then they will be in one in any position in which they're placed. And so she, and we, we've been dealing with this particular elder Hull and uh, we're still dealing with him to some extent in this chapter. And she says that's been the case with elder Hull and that uh, he doesn't, apparently didn't manage money very well and didn't put it to the best use. And she said that he would need an almost inexhaustible amount of money to drop from in order to be satisfied. Um, so whatever he had, he always, either he ran out or he needed more uh, because he didn't manage it, manage it judiciously. And she says in the top of the next paragraph, those who fail to manage wisely, those who fail to manage wisely in temporal matters generally also lack in spiritual things. They fail to build up the church they may possess natural talents and be called smart speakers, and yet they lack moral worth. Um, any comments on that? In other words, she's saying that that you know, if you if you, and uh, how does they put it? Um, if the the word says that um, he who is faithful in little is faithful in much. So if he's not, if we're not being faithful in little, we're not going to be faithful in much. And um, so she's just saying that, you know, if we don't manage our own affairs wisely, then we're not going to, uh, we're not going to do this, that in the church and we're not going to build up the church. And no matter what, no matter what natural talents we have, we're not going to be putting them to the best use. Uh, and then she says down at the bottom of that second paragraph, these people are not sanctified through the truth that they preach themselves. And this has been the case with Elder Hull. He has lacked that grace which establishes the soul and elevates and ennobles the character of the man. And it is a good thing that the heart be satisfied with grace. This is the ground for our steadfastness. I remember one time hearing a story about a man who preached all his life. And then when he was dying, they asked him, uh, and I guess I, I, I don't know, I guess he made some statements that kind of showed that uh, his lack of faith at that time. And they asked him about the stuff that he had always preached. And he said, oh, I preached it, but I never believed it. <laughs> Isn't that something else? Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. So that says that his motivation for preaching was to... Um, look good in the eyes of other people and to look sanctified and holy in the eyes of other people, but he didn't believe any of that. Mm -hmm. I know I know of a person that said that too, uh, mm -hmm. a church elder. Oh. And he, uh, you know, was doing a good job as an elder and all that for a long time. And one mm -hmm. day he just asked me, do you believe uh, Jesus is coming back? I said, yeah. He said, you believe that stuff for real? Mm. I'm like, I can't believe he just asked that. Mm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. never know. Right. I remember a friend that uh, attended Oakwood. And uh, later on, the friend told me, he said, I, I 
Yeah, I went there, but I never believed any of that stuff. Meaning, you know, the religious part of the training. But you know, the thing about it is God leaves us free to choose to believe or not believe. I remember, uh, I think it was my husband that had a conversation with somebody and it was about what you believe. And uh, it was like, well, and they didn't believe, you know, they didn't believe in the scriptures and all that. And, and so he said, well, you know, you're going to be in a worse position than me because if, 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 if what I believe is not true and I just led a good life then, and I died, then, oh, well, I don't have, I won't miss out on much, but if you don't believe and you don't, you know, uh, 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 follow the Lord, then you stand to lose a lot more than me. All right, let's go on down to the next paragraph that starts with in places where Elder Hull has given a course of lectures and kind of towards the, uh, a little bit down from there, it's, it starts, it says humility, simplicity, purity, and holiness of life were lacking. And uh, again, I guess she's talking about Elder Hull and said he has thought that his smart labor was invaluable and that the cause would hardly exist if he should be disconnected from it. But if he, if he could have known the anxiety with which real laborers in the cause who have tried to help him have suffered on his account, he would not have had so high an estimate of his own labors. His course has been a continual burden to the cause and it would have prospered better without his influence. Says the anxiety of his brethren to save him from falling. Wait a minute from falling has led them to do too much for him in point of means. They have been pleased with his preaching talent and some have been so indiscreet as to extol him and show a decided preference for him above other preaching brethren whose influence would tell for the advancement of the cause anywhere. Had he not sufficient humility or enough of the grace of, I'm sorry, he had not sufficient humility or enough of the grace of God to stand against the flattery of his brethren. What is that saying to you in that, in that? There's the other hall with something else, I tell you that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, they love to hear him preach, but he wasn't even following his own preaching. He wasn't living, I guess he wasn't living the truth that he was preaching. I'll put it like that. And so because they preferred his preaching to some of the other ones, he, he was hurting the cause more than helping the cause. Because his influence was not was not what it should have been. Uh, let's see. Down in the next paragraph, she says, all who desire to draw away from God's remnant people in order to follow their own corrupt hearts would throw themselves willingly into Satan's hands and should have that privilege. Mm. It's like saying, okay, if you want to go to hell, you're welcome to do it. And she says, there are others among us who are endangered. They have an exalted opinion of their own ability, while their influence in many respects has been but little better than that of Elder Hull. And unless they thoroughly reform, the cause would be better off without them. Mm. Any comments on that? Have you ever known anybody that you thought you know what? The church would really be better off if you weren't here. That's plenty of people like that. Mm. But I mean, in leadership be, positions. Yeah, we have to be careful. They're not thinking that about us. Mm. <laughs> so we have to be practicing what we're preaching is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, further down in that same paragraph, she says, they are jealous of those who have borne the burdens of, in the work, those who would sacrifice even their lives if necessary to advance the cause of truth. They judge their brethren to have no higher motives than they have had. Doing much for ministers who are thus subject to Satan's temptations injures them and is a waste of means. It gives them influence and thus places them where they can wound their brethren in the cause of God most deeply. So it sounds like these, these like uh, Elder Hull were jealous of the ones who were really making headway in the cause. But at the same time, um, 
they didn't want to, they didn't want to um, do the work that it took to really advance the cause. They just wanted to be uh, thought of as high and mighty and high and puffed, uh, you know, uh, learned and all of that. It's interesting to think that if they had just used that energy in the right manner, they could have really done something. Right, right, absolutely. And that goes for anything. You know, I always think about drug dealers and I say, you know what? Some of them have quite a business going. It's just the wrong business. You yeah. know, some of them are very smart, very intelligent, but they're just applying it in the wrong way. Well, that's true of all humans. We all have talents and abilities and skills. But are we using them in the right way that God wants us or are we using them in the way the devil wants us to mm -hmm. use them? Right. Right. Um, let's see. We go down a little bit further. And um, let's see. In the next paragraph. Let's see. Wait a minute. No. Uh, yeah. Next paragraph. Um she says that um, the difficulties that they're having is not so much with the Bible or with the evidences of our faith as with their own hearts. And again, she's talking about these people like Elder Hole, Brother Hole. And she said the requirements of God's word are too close for their unsanctified natures. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. If the feelings of the natural heart are not restrained and brought into subjection by the sanctifying influence of the grace of God received through the channel of faith, the thoughts of the heart are not pure and holy. And she says, the conditions of salvation brought into view in the word of God are reasonable, plain, and positive, being nothing less than perfect conformity to the will of God. Okay. And purity of heart and life we must crucify self with the lust thereof we must cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness and the fear of god so we as disciple makers you ever thought about you ever thought about um perhaps uh or maybe let me let, let me rephrase that have you ever had situations where you really wanted to witness to someone and you really wanted to see them come to the Lord, but your influence was not a telling influence on them. And they didn't come to the Lord the way that you had hoped. That's everybody I know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny because um, I think about that sometimes and I think, okay, if our influence is not drawing people to Christ, then that mean maybe that means that we're not close enough to Christ ourselves and ex and and doing things the way that He would do them. You know, I think about that sometimes. Well, I don't take that upon myself, Karen, because I think the Bible says that. In other words, do they see Jesus in in oh, in me, or do they see something else and they say, you know what, I don't want no parts of that. <laughs> oh well, you no. Know? Can you hear me, Karen? She can't hear me, Karen. All right, let's see. Um, somebody read uh, paragraph four forty point two for me. Karen. Hello, Karen. Karen. Anybody? Hello, Karen. Hello. I can I can hear you, Patsy, but I can't okay. hear Karen. I know. I don't think she can hear us. Right, she can't hear us, but I can hear her. Anybody yeah, I can hear her, but and I can hear you too, but I can't. I don't think she can hear us. Okay, I'll read it then. <clears throat> Wait a minute. Hold on, just a minute, guys. Sister Karen, can you hear us? She's working on it. Okay. I never did get on today. I've been trying, so I guess I'll just have to go with the phone. Hey, you're doing good, Patsy. I can hear you. Uh, she yeah, no, but I was trying to get on YouTube so I could see, so I could be with on YouTube in the phone. Lakita, Lakita, um, Karen said, if you can go ahead and read that paragraph, and she'll jump back on. 
Okay, what paragraph is it again? It was 44.2. 442 or 440.2? 440.2. Right. Okay, I got it. In almost every case where persons become unsettled in regard to the inspiration of the word of God, it is on account of their unsanctified lives. When we become unsettled in regard to the inspiration of the word of God, it is on account of our unsanctified lives, which that word condemns. They will not receive its reproofs and threatenings because these reflect upon their wrong course of action. They do not love those who would convert and restrain them. Difficulties and doubts which perplex the, various, the vicious heart will be cleared away before the one practicing the, more, the pure principles of truth. Now, when I first got into church, and as you're learning, I think this happens, especially when you're first in church and you learn stuff. Was there anything in your life in particular that you really just didn't want people telling you about, you know, some, some truth that you kind of didn't want to hear the spirit of God on? I think it was for me. And I think it had to do with my diet. I didn't want people telling me cut back on the sugar. And I didn't use uh -huh. a lot of salt, but I was one of them people. I love sweets. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the diet for me, too. I remember when I first got in church, then um, Lee and I went out to dinner. We had just met. We went to dinner. And the person who was like, uh, kind of, they were transporting me to church and Lee. We, we were both, we didn't know each other. And we got to know each other through them. And so one day at, it was Amen. time for dinner. It was time for dinner, and um, I told her, I said, Lee and I went out to dinner the other day, and she was like, oh, really? Yeah, we was at her house for Sabbath meal, and she said, oh, really? I said, I said yeah. She said, um, what did you have? I said, I had shrimp. It was so delicious, <laughs> and she was like, she, and then she got quiet, and I was thinking to myself, oh, no, please, not another thing I can't do, so then she said, <laughs> she said, uh, I said, is it something wrong? And she said, well, yeah, we usually don't eat shrimp. It's an unclean food. I was like, oh, that's kind of something I wouldn't, I wouldn't want, didn't want to um, know about. But this here is talking <laughs> about something a little bit different from that. This is talking about when we're older, you know, older Christians. And there's the word of God points something out to us. And we are bickering and arguing back and forth. And sometimes it spills over into the church. When the church, someone mentions it in church, then we're kicking at the pricks and we're fussing. And then even get to name calling some of the saints, you know, oh, well, you ain't all that perfect. And they think they so perfect and blah, blah, blah. She says, underneath that is unsanctified lives. It's lives where we well, don't see, want to. I think I experienced that when I said, I'm going to be uh learning about Ellen White through the tops. And I said it in my Sabbath school class. And one of the, one of the oldest saints turned around and said, you don't need to know all that about no Ellen White. And I didn't say a word. I said, you know, out of respect. And I was like, but I don't know any that much. And I'm like, I need to learn. But, but you know, that, she, yeah. yeah, that's like the Holy Spirit was um, already working with them and, and spoke through you, made it audible, you know, because sometimes God's working in our minds. And we're not listening and stuff. So Karen, we'll go back to Karen. She's going to take mm -hmm. over. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this is definitely dealing with um, not wanting to hear what the word mm -hmm. of God has to say. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you know what? It's that conflict that helps us because, because it helps us to know that there's something wrong. Because when the conflict ceases... That means that we're not walking with the Lord. You know, we, 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 we settled in our minds that that's not the way that I want to go. And I'm going to go this way. And no, there's no longer that tug to do what's right. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? And then, um, yeah, that takes a little while though, Karen, for us to get to that place. Do you think, or is it? Yeah. I think it does. I think that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us all of our lives, you know, and it's, it's so funny because sometimes I think about people and I think about, you know, oh, you're too old to still be doing that. But age is not the 
the the relevant factor here. It's 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 are you listening to and practicing obeying the word? Mm-hmm. You know, or are you listening yeah. to and practicing and obeying self, which is you know the enemy telling you, yeah, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do it that way, and you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, like that's not that's not so important. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. not that important. And so, and sometimes we have to for, for remember that God is working with each of us individually and independently. And so when He's saying to me something to do, He may not convict someone else's heart to do that. But he knows for me, is my salvation is at stake here. So I can't listen to someone else saying, oh, that's not really that important because it's not for them. But it mm-hmm. might be for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, my husband always likes to say that Satan won't tempt him with the same things that he tempts someone else with because he knows that those particular things might not work on him. So mm-hmm. he'll tempt him with things that he knows works on him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he'll say, well, right. so you can't tempt me to smoke a cigarette to start smoking because that's not anything that I've ever had a problem with or been interested in doing, mm-hmm. you know, but then Satan will come with other temptations. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, Satan watches us all of our life. He watches us to see, you know, what are those things that, that, you know, we struggle with, I'll put it mm-hmm. like that, you right. know. The Bible says that sins that so easily beset us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go down to um, the middle of the next paragraph where it says Satan, the arch deceiver, says he possesses wonderful talents. He was once an exalted angel next to Christ and he fell through his self exaltation and created a rebellion in heaven and caused many to fall with him. Then his talents and skill were employed against the government of God to cause all whom he could control to despise the authority of heaven. You ever wonder about um, the fact that God knew that Satan would, that sin would rise up through Satan? So why would he create him? Because of all of the misery and woe that would follow on this earth. Because God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. You know, he knows that that today on 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 uh, the worship service, we will be praying for a baby who's in stage four cancer. Mm. You know, mm. he just knows everything. And so, you know, you wonder, OK, well, why would he create that being? Well, you know, one of the Bible study lessons that we have had talked in it, it, it referred to why would God create, uh, say, I mean, Satan knowing that he was going to sin. And it went on to say that God, even though he knew it, had he not done it and let, let the, uh, I guess, the plan of salvation run out, then he would have been, I guess, the angels wouldn't have seen the 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 the, the goodness of God, even when somebody that he knew was going to turn, you know, to an evil way, he would not, he would have been, I guess, uh, not the loving God because he would have been shielded. And God let, went ahead and created Satan, even though he knew he was going to do that. But it showed the angels how much love he had and how many chances he tried to give Satan before he just totally rebelled completely. Mm. One of the things that people ask, people tend to ask, did, uh, why did God create the devil? But God didn't create the devil. He created Lucifer, a holy angel. And then right. it says, like we just read, Lucifer fell through self-exaltation. It was nothing God did. It was that sin rose up in him. And that's a mystery. Why did it rise up in him? Where did it come from? That's something that we're going to ask the Lord later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then down at the next paragraph it says top of the next paragraph it says purity of life imparts refinement which will lead those possessing it to shrink more and more from coarseness and indulgence in sin so you know you think about um, the 
the text that says, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, which is the same as asking the Lord for purity of life. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it, 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 the more and more your heart and your mind are purified, the less sin attracts, is attractive to you, you know? And one of my prayers has always been, Lord, cause sin to become exceedingly sinful to me and to those in my family so that we would rather die than sin, mm-hmm. you know? Because I, I, I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of hearing about, you know, things like that that pile up on, I, what was it, I, I, was that, I-65 in Texas, uh, where was that, in Texas? What happened? Yeah, that was Texas. All those vehicles piled up, big rigs, and they just, the ice, they just slid right into each other. And it was like a hundred car, it was like a hundred vehicle pile up, and several people died. And um, it was just to watch it, it was like, oh my, you know, you just, you just, you know, you, you were just frantic yourself just watching it because they couldn't stop, and a big rig would plow into you know, the cars, and then another one would pop, pop, you know, pile into that one. And it was just, it was crazy. It was just crazy to watch it. There's been a lot of those throughout the years. Sometimes ice, sometimes it's fog. Uh, mm-hmm. But the real, one of the underlying causes is that people are in such a hurry to go nowhere. If the people <laughs> had been watching out, recognizing, hey, it's ice and snow out here. Let me just go 45 mile an hour instead of 75 then yeah. it wouldn't have been such a terrible accident, but yeah, everybody's so. in such a hurry to do nothing. Or how about, if, how about if somebody will say it's ice and snow outside, I really don't have any place to go, and just stay home. How about well, that? Yeah, how yeah. about that? <laughs> and I, I, I think don't know. The thing that, I think the thing that bothers me is I see God healing so many people, but then I went to the store and a a lady just went off on a police officer at uh, at Aldi's, and she's a nice black lady, but she just said, ma'am, you can't come in without a mask on, and that lady let her have it. And mm. I just thought, you know, with so many people, and then, like I said, Delana's father dying this morning of the COVID, <laughs> I thought, just wear the mm. mask, just protect somebody else. Well, they should have offered her a mask. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think she wanted one, Alvina. She just that's what I'm to... saying. It would exactly. Mm-hmm. And even after she cussed the woman out, the lady should have told her, "You still ain't coming in." <laughs> <laughs> she didn't let. She didn't let her in. You're right, Elder Carol. She kept telling her, and I mean, she was having it, and it, and I all turned around like, "Please, lady, just put the mask on so you can get your food and leave." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you came there for. Some people think they're above the law and they don't have to do what other people do. And it starts at childhood a lot of the time. If your kids are constantly doing things that other kids aren't allowed to do and you just let them slide, they're going to grow into that type of adult who feels entitled to break the rules when everybody else is trying to follow them. But for real, though, there really is, I hate to say it, it's really sad. But I spoke to someone very close to me who is a family member. I'm not going to name any names. But they had the marriage. Is it Lee? No. She said she ain't mentioned. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they were like, they don't believe that COVID is COVID and that the government, something they were saying. But I didn't let it stand. I said, I definitely believe that. Oh, they were saying because some doctors are just saying it's COVID so they can make money. I said, you know, I definitely believe that with everything that, you know, people cheat and they try to scam and get more money. I said, however, I believe that COVID is real and that people are sick and that people are dying. So, you know, I just don't get why, how you can see all these people dying and sick and and feel like they can't. Well, they had this church in the news. Y'all probably saw Grace Covenant Church or something. And the pastor was having this big three- 3,000 people person meeting and he was trying to say it was a church meeting which they weren't blocking but they said that's a convention and you can't have it because none of the people are wearing masks and the pastor is preaching that that the COVID is a hoax and it's just a lie and the people are attending church services without masks and stuff 
So there's still people out there who think it's a lie. They they just choose to believe a lie. We got lots of Adventists, Adventists that believe that. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's one thing to, you, you know, when this thing first started and to not have all of the information that's needed to protect yourself because this was new and we didn't really know, you know, in the beginning, the steps that we needed to take when people first started dying. But, you know, it's been, you know, well over months now. And now we know some of the things that will help protect and so for people, like you said, for people to just not do those things, they're believing a lie. They are. They're believing a lie. Remember the guy that went down to the, uh, the, the uh, rally in Oklahoma, the black man, I forgot his name right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And he didn't believe it. And he died after that, that, that rally. Mm -hmm. Well, it says uh, in the previous previous paragraph, the last sentence says, those who are charmed with his satanic majesty may choose to imitate this fallen general and share with him his fate at last. So nobody can say the devil made me do it. People are choosing to follow Satan, just like they're choosing to believe these lies that are still going around, uh, political lies, medical lies about the COVID. People are choosing to believe. Because like you said, Karen, there's a plenty of information out there just like it is with the Bible, there's plenty of information to believe, but some people just choose not to believe, and that's their choice, freedom mm -hmm. of choice. The, 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 the scary thing about it, though, with this pandemic is that everyone that does not believe and does not take the precautions puts someone else at risk, mm -hmm. you know? Well, more than someone else, Karen, because they put, they may actually contaminate one person, but that person can contaminate four or five people, and those people may contaminate four or mm -hmm. five other people. So right. it's really a, um, a real problem for people. Right. Even if you don't, it's not going to kill you where I'm at. Right. And it's kind of the same, you know, I think we used to sing way back that song, No Man is an Island, No Man Stands Alone. And mm -hmm. it's true of sin. Yeah, I, a person can choose, oh, it's my right to drink and drive. But then you crash into innocent people and kill them and destroy their family relationship. Or you say, I choose to sell drugs. Yeah, but you're ruining all these people's lives selling drugs. So it's never a case where it's only I'm the only one affected. Because even if you do things on your own, then your your immediate family is going to feel some results from your choice of from your poor choice. Absolutely. Uh, and let's see, down in the middle of that paragraph. It says, those who love sin will turn away from the Bible. They'll love to doubt and will become reckless in principles. They will receive and advocate false theories. It sounds like some of the Trump followers done it. <laughs> Such will ascribe man's sins to his circumstances. And when he commits some great sin, they make him a subject of pity, pity instead of looking upon him as a criminal to be punished. They will always suit a depraved heart. This will always suit a depraved heart, which in course of time will develop the principles of a fallen nature. And by some general process, men abolish sin at once to avoid the unpleasant necessity of individual reformation and exertion. Mm, what is all that saying? It's talking about the uh, last four days with the... Um impeachment trial. Didn't that mm. remind you of that? It says, <laughs> it says that such will ascribe man's sins to his circumstances. And when he commits some great sin, they make him a subject of pity instead of looking upon him as a criminal to be punished. You know, all mm. that insurrection. And then it's still saying, some of these people are still walking around, yeah, but they told the uh the uh they told the election they still were still walking around blaming that even though you have this major thing happens five or six people how many people died two or three people several people hurt folk was terrified when you know they shouldn't have to work go to their job place and work under those circumstances and stuff and yet we're, we're instead of us saying hey this man need to be put in prison some kind of way they're saying well yeah 
but he he only said this and really it didn't mean that but i i trust god with all this this you know this is some kind of craziness that we want to look at and it's kind of like prevalent in the in the united states well this person was sexually molested and that's why they bludgeoned someone and cut their head off because heads reminded me of reminded them of their past history mm. come on come mm. on oh that's not it's you know, it's a, you, we can look around and see that there's so many more people who have been molested and they're not cutting off people's heads. Mm-hmm. You know, and some have mm-hmm. gone through even worse stuff. But when we use those circumstances as an excuse to excuse people's behavior, they will go on to get worse. I can tell you that. They mm-hmm. definitely will improve. Well, I know Pastor uh, uh, Barnes today, he preached on patriotism and he talked about that America wants an image that we're so strong and et cetera, that when that, that thing happened at the Capitol, then they want to say, start using religious terms like he desecrated the holy, you know, a holy place. You know, this is, you know, comparing the White House to a temple and, you know, and, and, and stuff. And I said, as I thought about that, I said, until I heard his sermon today, I said, I really, you know, I heard him saying about, you know, this decimating our, our democracy and stuff. And I thought, well, now you got, like, like I think somebody said, you got people justifying it. He didn't really mean it, and they shouldn't have mm-hmm. took it like that. And I'm like, wonder if we did that to God and God's word. You got people that's going to turn his, his word around to make it suit them. And that's mm-hmm. really sad. And we're already doing that. Mm-hmm. We are. <laughs> That's interesting because, you know, the Bible says you're not supposed to add anything to it or to take anything away from it. But mm-hmm. we, a lot of people do that a lot. And, of course, <laughs> 45, I don't know that he read it, but he took the Bible across the street and held it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Now Biden said he wish he had read it. Biden sure said it. He said, I wish he had read it. (laughs) Can't read upside down. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, Let's see. Let's go down to the next paragraph, bottom of paragraph 441.2. She says, when a minister is good in the pulpit and like Elder Hall fails in management, he should never go out alone. So she's talking about now where they go out to evangelize. And she says another should go with him to supply his lack and manage for him. And although it may be humiliating, he should give heed to the judgment and counsel of this companion. As a blind man follows one who has sight, by so doing, he will escape many dangers that would prove fatal to him were he left alone. So apparently the Elder Hall was going out in his own strength by himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing what he was doing and that wasn't wise um he wasn't managing first of all he wasn't managing the resources very well um but secondly it just it just wasn't a wise thing to do and he needed a companion you know i was uh when i took um uh bible working class they always said go out and choose because if it's less likely that the devil can overcome two than one, you know, and also for safety and protection, always go out in two. So apparently Elder Hull was going out on his own and he was um, working alone and just not, not managing things very well. But in his mind, he was doing great. But he knew that he wasn't. Uh, it sounds like Elder Hull had some um, um, buying. His spending habits was out of control. And mm-hmm. so he was not going to be, when you when your spending habits, when you don't have control of your spending habits, it's, it's going to be very difficult to be able to manage God's money, you know, mm-hmm. for his business and stuff. So, you know, I almost think about it like this. Like, I mean, if it was in this day and age, like maybe Elder Hull had a, a debit card and he was always using it, not checking to see what his balance was. It was always overdrawn. Mm-hmm. Bring on more fees and more, you know, that sometimes right. those fees can cost more than what you actually took out. Right, right. Elder Hall, yeah. Elder Hall figured he had, he must have more money in his checking account because he still have checks left. <laughs> <laughs> 
But here's what I want. It's in the same paragraph. It's at the top. This is something that I have seen and, and kind of it's kind of annoying. It says they think that if a man cannot labor with his hands, can't get a job, or if he is not a business character, he will make a minister. That is very annoying to me. Yeah. And people think that, you know, they can just jump into and become a minister and deal with people's salvation, soul salvation and stuff and mm-hmm. deal with where people are going to dwell eternally because they can't do anything else. That's mm. a good point. And you can see that because it don't take anything to start a church. All you got to yeah. do is rent a building or start one in your home and people will follow you and think you're the minister and that you can really uh, know something about spirituality. But uh, the next sentence after what Lakita said, it says a man who has no business tact may make a minister like he might become a minister, but he's going to lack qualifications in order to deal wisely with the church. So even in the Adventist church, we've all had ministers who are good at preaching and nothing else. And we've had ministers who are good at a lot of other things, but can't preach because it has to be a well-rounded personality, you know, and, and, and the church suffers because you have a person who sounds good preaching, but he can't handle the business aspect of a church and the church ends up falling apart mm-hmm. or vice versa. You know, what's interesting to me is that a lot of professions require you to have a training and a license, but ministry doesn't require that. Like you, like one of you all said, you can open up a church anywhere and hang out a shingle and say, I'm mm-hmm. a minister. Mm-hmm. The same way, not- becoming, same way with becoming a parent. You don't need a license. Right. People just right. doing it and have no clue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you know, I think too, there are people that will be out in the community and say, God told them to, you know, to approach this person. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you approach that person in, in a name, I mean, you're being positive because you think you're doing something good, but that person begins to turn away because they're like, oh, here, here she come, you know, and and, and, I'm, and I'm like, sometimes we ha- we have to understand that people, some people, you you might have to just hand them a track, you know, because they may say, I don't want no praying, and then you say, well, will you take this and read it? And it's funny because they'll take it, and you're like, they getting ready to start reading it, but I was getting ready to pray for them, and they don't want no prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Um, down in the next paragraph, she talks about, uh, I'm not going to read it word for word, but basically that because some, some people showed a talent for praying or exhorting in a meeting that they were qualified <laughs> to go out and labor in the field, but they weren't proved and they weren't the, the, the fruit of their labors, they didn't get, give them enough time to see what were the fruit of their labors. Because, you know, the Bible says, by their fruit shall you know them. So if you don't give the fruit enough time to ripen, you're not going to know. And apparently they were going out because, because others were flattering them as far as, I guess, their preaching efforts or whatever the case may be. Oh, they held your attention and they put in a few humorous things and you're like, oh, that was, that was really great. But um, it, that basically they scatter and confuse and they do not gather and build up. And it says a few may receive the truth as the fruit of their labors, but these generally rise no higher than those from whom they learn the truth. And the same lack which mark their own course is seen in their converts. So basically they are making, they are making disciples. They're just making disciples of their own confusion and their own lack. We were, I think we've seen that too when we have, like you do a big evangelistic meeting, which, you know, we used to do more often, but mm-hmm. then a lot of new people come in church and then those same people with the limited knowledge they have all rush out to try and bring in other people and talk to them about the truth. When they don't have the truth yet, they still learn and they don't understand and they just cause more errors, you know, which is why they used to have those classes after you came into church to teach you some stuff before you go out trying to spread it to other people because you end up spreading errors and you're Mm -hmm. working against the Lord twice by spreading false errors when you can just wait till you learn and know and understand and then go out. 
and spray the Well, tree. you know, Elder Carol, that's why I was glad when I went through that, uh, those classes on, on uh, what is it, uh, giving Bible studies. And I said, because mm-hmm. I remember, you know, as a new believer, I was like, I was so fired up to tell everybody, you know, this is what I learned and this is what God has revealed. But after I took those, you know, t- uh, Bible study classes and then, you know, they kind of showed us how to give Bible studies and we got our certificates. I said, if I had known what I known going through those classes from when I first came in, I probably would have been a little bit more settled minded than what I was, you know, when I first came and fired up and just had to tell. And it, and like I said, they teach you it's a way you say things and you lead them. You don't tell them. You let them begin to learn on their own as you give the Bible study. So I think that was an excellent thing to do for, for Bible workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's go down to the bottom of paragraph 442.3. And she says, those who enter the gospel field should be left to earn themselves a reputation, even if it must be through trial and, I guess, deprivations. They should first give full proof of their ministry. And she says, brethren of experience should be guarded. And instead of expecting these young preachers to help and lead them, they should feel a responsibility upon them to take charge of these young preachers, to instruct, advise, and lead them to have a fatherly care for them. So she's basically saying that, that, that they sh- the, the experienced minister should tutor some of these young ministers, take them under their wing and uh, just kind of teach them the ropes, so to speak, I guess. They should, but pastors don't like doing that for some reason. They just want to mm-hmm. let, they want, they want to be left to find their own way. And they feel that way about trying to teach or train others. Hey, I why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? You know, what was amazing to me is that we had slam in St. Louis for a lot of years. Now it's kind of dwindling off now, falling away now. But we had slam, which was all of these Adventist uh, pastors coming together and we did things together. And they even I remember at least one sermon that they all preached and each of them took a section of the sermon. But we don't we don't we don't generally see that. And because those pastors are no longer here in St. Louis, that that whole thing has kind of fallen off. And of course, because of COVID also now. Um, well, really I think Karen, Karen, actually when that thing was was created by Pastor Polite, it was created to have the laymen and the pastors work together. Mm-hmm. But there was a feeling at the time I think they kind of, they did it while Pastor Polite was here, but after that, you know, a little bit while he was here, but after that, the um, elders were no longer invited into those meetings. But then they went on to join SLAM, they had SLAM, but then they put in the other churches, the, uh, the Caucasian churches joined and then it was called Wham or something. No. <laughs> 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 no, the, cha- the name was changed. I forgot right. what it was changed to. Right. But see, when you when you have kind of an organization, it can't take a lot of change. You know, you went from the first original idea to your own idea. The leader of the person who created and developed it, they left. And so now you got this whoever, no one's is in charge of it. And that's always a problem. And then you go to new people coming in. And they have their ideal about what should happen. So that's kind of what what where that went. And yeah, like you said, COVID. Yeah, they lost the original purpose, like Lakita's saying. It was St. Louis Area Ministry or Ministries. Then it changed to St. Louis yes. Area Ministers. And then it changed to some other name. And amps. Yeah, Amps. What's that? Mm-hmm. Adventist Ministers something right or area what is that what does it stand for (laughs) i don't know it just lost purpose and fell apart Mm -hmm. right i think you're right um let me see and i'm gonna finish here to uh with uh, uh something out of the bottom part of this paragraph and then we'll pick up 
uh, next time with the other half of this chapter. Um, she says, men, young men who think that they have a duty to do in connection with the work should not take the responsibility of teaching the truth until they have availed themselves of the privilege of being under the influence of some experienced preacher who is systematic in his work. They should learn of him as a pupil at school would learn of his teacher. They should not go here and there with no definite object or matured plans to carry out their labor. So basically, uh, you know, it's so funny because sometimes people will say, well, the Lord told me to do such and such. And then you ask, and whatever it was, it wasn't successful. And then you say, well, did you listen long enough for the Lord to tell you how to do it? Well, no, I didn't do, I know. You, know, you know, you understand what I'm saying? And so this is saying that, you know, they should, they should take advantage of uh, that connection with and learning from a more um, seasoned minister. Um, It'd be nice, and, and, but again, they didn't, the pastors I talked to never thought that was a good idea. I really think it's because just like a lot of people, they just want to do their own thing. They don't want anybody trying to point the way to them. They just want to find their own way. And that mm -hmm. last sentence, they go in hither and thither. Uh, mm -hmm. For a while, it seemed like the church pastors were so busy uh, guests speaking at everybody else's church, they was hardly in their own church. Mm -hmm. They were too busy running around not mm -hmm. really thinking through or having a plan. They just enjoyed, oh, they want me to speak over here. Oh, they called me over here. And you know, it's like mm -hmm. you're a famous celebrity and they got mm -hmm. hung up with all that. Meanwhile, their own churches were struggling and suffering spiritually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember one time uh, I was wondering where our pastor was because he didn't have a habit of telling us all the time where he, that he was going to be gone. And then my cousin from Florida called and said, boy, your pastor threw down today. <laughs> <laughs> he was way down in Florida. Son. He was in Florida. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, that does happen. <laughs> Any other comments before we end for today? Um, next time we're going to pick up at this paragraph 444.1 and complete the rest of that chapter. But any comments before we yeah, Sister Karen, you do have those members though. They walk in the church, and if the person is preaching, they don't they don't like them, or they say, "Oh, I, I I ain't stand for that person," you know, because it's not so and so. And I'm like, how can you distinguish which you know person from God is up there, and you're not gonna listen to? I just never understood that, because mm -hmm. I always figured even if they preaching something, it's something that I need to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's if you're looking at it from a spiritual perspective. And I think that that's where, you know, we really have to work towards to start looking at things from a spiritual perspective. Like, you know, I may not like his style, but um, the Lord sent me here and the message for me is today is here. And so we go to listen to the message and not the person. But we have to either we believe that God is speaking through these people or he is not speaking. I think that's but you know, you know, they also say that most people don't leave a church because of the message. They leave because of the people. That's because they're too busy focusing on the people instead of on Christ. That's true, too. Mm -hmm. That's true too. That's what it says about them. But what does it oh. say about the people at the church? You know what? I, I don't take any, you know, I take no responsibility. <laughs> well, I, believe, I believe we should pray and look and try to find our lost members. I do. I think we should pray and try to get some connection to where are they? I, I agree with that, Patsy. I agree with that. But I guess what I'm just simply saying, I'm not taking responsibility for people leaving the church because people come. You know, like people come into the church and says, you have to, in top, you have to walk up steps. They come in with their suitcase, with their overnight carrying bag, with a trunk and with a big old basket on it. They bring their own stuff in. So, you know, if they came in and they saw somebody, you know, maybe somebody in their childhood with gray hair, you know, beat the living daylights out of them. They see me. I remember that person. They out of there. They're not coming back. And that's very, that's really simplified. But we, we don't always know what you know what people are 
bringing with them when they come. Mm-hmm. So we can't just, you know, like we can't, if we do something like, you know, like talk bad or mean, I've done that a couple of times. You know, if we do that, we can own up to that and ask God to forgive us and really work very hard to not do that again. But also on the flip side of that, sometimes people, you know, like some, they had a discussion a few, it's been a, a, like last year or something about they went to a church and nobody spoke to them. Now for me, Karen, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. That's great. You know, you don't have to speak to me. And I'm big enough and tough enough to say how to you and smile in your church. And so for me, that didn't mean anything. But other people really thought, I mean, they really took that to heart. They had a couple of discussions on that. You no, know, from one Sabbath and then another Sabbath, it came up again. And, you know, so I don't expect people to fulfill my needs when I go to church. And I don't expect that I'm going to fulfill other people's needs. I'm there to do what God tells me, tell me to do. Do that make sense to everybody? Do that? Yes. Am I the only one here? <laughs> it it, it makes sense. But I think, too, that as Christians, Mm-hmm. We can sometimes get into the a place where we don't want to accept somebody else's opinion or thought, and we cut them down right on the spot. Yeah, yeah, not, and then yes, and I can see that. And that's, and that's hurting for some for some members. That's very hurting. Yeah, and I'm saying if I see myself doing that, then I have to really pray and try to you know watch what I'm doing, et cetera, et cetera. But on the, you know you know that there are sometimes like people like Alvina. You know, like she'll just get her little feelings hurt <laughs> real fast. And then they'll be like, all I said was hi to the girl. <laughs> and I can't go home with that. Because that. But I'm just saying that sometimes other people, bring, they're bringing something to the situation as well. And we can always monitor, you know, other people's stuff. That's all I'm saying. But I do think that as Christians, we are called to be kind all the time. And so we practice it at home. It becomes second nature when we leave the house. Yeah, I'm the type wherever I go, I'm going to be me. And I don't think about, you know, what other people think of me so much because I'm there like I'm at the, I'm at your church to hear a word from the Lord. I'm not there to become your best friend necessarily. We went to a church before. It was a nice church, real pretty, nice neighborhood, a lot of people. And, you know, me being me, I'm saying hi to people. These folk looked at me like I was nuts, <laughs> like I was from another planet. Nobody now, spoke Elder Carol, you mean to tell me you went to another church and it wasn't Adventist? You in trouble. No, it was Adventist <laughs> church. Oh, it was? Okay. And the, people, <laughs> and the people was just as rude, and I couldn't figure it out, but I said, I don't really care. That's their problem. I'm having a good we time. We don't have those kind of churches. No, we don't. <laughs> Yeah, people are people wherever you go. So that's why the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't don't tie your salvation to other people. It ain't going to work. Tie it to Jesus. And then another thing, too, is like uh, you be the kind person, right? Why am I sitting back waiting waiting for somebody else to speak to me to see if someone's going to? That's just my thinking. Let me Me be the person who speaks. Let me be the person. Amen. Amen. And if I don't reach out and no one reaches out to me, there's no big judgment. Because the way I look at it, I didn't say nothing either. So it's just a two-way street. You know? And if you do speak and, and, and don't it's, speak it's, back, it's, don't take it personally. It, and it's sad to say, it's sad to say, but I remember being at Northside one time and Sister Utley was standing there. And somebody said something and she said, honey, she said, they don't have a hell or a heaven to send you to. And I thought, Wow. I said, because I never thought to, to think that Sister Ully would say something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say this, too. This is something that happened. This is something that I did. I was telling my sister about it. It's her friend, and she's a church member. And uh, I saw her. We went over to the church, and I saw her, but I didn't speak. Then I saw her again. She looked at me. She looked at, I looked at her. I still didn't speak. I saw her third time. She spoke to me. I didn't speak. And so she came up to me. She said, Sister Carol, did I do something to you? I said, no. She said, well, how come when I saw you today, you didn't speak and I saw you again. And then when I spoke to you, you still didn't speak. And I thought, I said, you know, you're right. I sure didn't. I still laughed. I said, girl, I'm so sorry. I mean, really, I don't know where my mind was. I wasn't being mean. I wasn't being unkind. 
it, I don't know what happened, but I did apologize. I hugged her. And then when we saw each other the next time, I looked at her and started laughing <laughs> and we spoke, but, and we spoke and hugged and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes I can't give all that to people. I can't say, oh, they don't like me and blah, blah, blah. They just might be in a whole different zone. You yeah, know, all, so all of us have been have done that before, been in our zone that we just walk by somebody and really we really don't see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that is funny. You know, <laughs> I want to tell you a story. Um, when we were leaving out of the school last night, there's a man that has a house. He and his wife have a house across the street from the school down here in New Orleans. And mm-hmm. she said, when he sees that my car is the only one out here, he sits out on the porch. And I always make sure I get to my car and I'm fine. So she said, I speak, you know, when I see him, y'all okay? Yep, everything's okay. And then one day his wife says, that girl across the street, she don't hardly speak to nobody. So he said, yeah, she speaks. She's a nice girl. So he mentioned it to Carla. And Carla said, oh, whenever I see her, I speak. Maybe it was a couple times that she spoke and I didn't see her. She said, yeah, she said, I found out the week later she was going into the hospital for an operation. She said, I made it my business to go get her some flowers and get her. She said, I got a little tea set and I took it over and came back from the hospital. And she said, nobody has ever done this for me, ever. Carla said, I just did not want her to ever think that I didn't want to speak and I wasn't a kind person. She said, because I don't know when she spoke and I didn't speak. I don't remember that. But when I did realize it, I thought, oh, I'm going to do extra because I wanted her to know. I have no hard feelings at all. I appreciate Amen. you all looking out for me. And and Amen. just so happens that night, last night, we were taking the trash and stuff out and getting in the car. And the man came outside. He said, y'all all right? Said, yeah, we okay. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to make sure y'all good. I said, I appreciate you looking out for my sister oh, all the time, sir. So uh, it's good to be able to do that because people look out for one another. And even when you find out that somebody has spoken and you didn't, it's good what you said, Lakita, that um, you took it upon yourself to apologize and then even give a hug. So um, I think that's really good for relationships. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to be nice to you guys since, since you all said that. would be nice. <laughs> Thank you. I'm to help her. Alvina. Yeah, but it's like you said, sometimes you are just, your mind is somewhere else entirely and yeah. someone takes offense because they think that you intentionally, you know, just ignored them or whatever. Well, and all you can really do is apologize when they point it out to you, you know. What'd yeah. you say, Alvina? I said sometimes I do intentionally ignore people. <laughs> <laughs> and no, she didn't talk about me. We did it by <laughs> Okay, well that 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 that's a different conversation, Alvina. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Any other comments on today's uh study? Well, I'll say this. Um Ellen G. White, she was really bold. I think about the stuff she's had to say. And I wonder if I would be up to the task to have to say it. Because that stuff, she's on uh, Elder Hall. Is this like the third chapter that, you know, he has usurped our study with, with yes. his bad behavior. So yes. she, you know, she speaks up. And I appreciate that. And sometimes we've, you know, we don't speak up. We need to. So that was it. That's all my comments. Yes, yes. And, you know, there's something she really wants us to get out of this because she keeps dwelling on Elder Hole and she, and she spells out his name because, like I said, in a lot of her discourses, she, she just gives initials. But with this particular mm-hmm. individual, she spells out exactly who he is and has dwelt so much on him. And so uh, just prayerfully, you know, um, we can glean something from this in terms of, excuse me, <coughs> if any of it applies to us. Girl, no. <laughs> One of the main things I get from her speaking to Elder Hull is that we have to be careful and phrase it as she did, not to walk in the sparks of our own kindling. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you put it that way. God is a consuming fire. 
but we have to be walking in his footsteps to not be consumed. <laughs> not our own kindling, like you say, Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to close out with prayer. Uh, let's see. Alvina, would you pray us out? Yes. Um, dear God, thank you for being with being with us. Thank you for bringing us together for this uh, class. Dear God, please bless us and keep us, heal us, help us to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And Lee, Amen. Before, we, before we end the live session, Lee, would you tell us what, what we're studying next week? Yes, next week we're on the book Heaven, and it's chapter 7, A Heavenly uh, Atmosphere. Talking about the atmosphere in heaven. Not like oxygen atmosphere, but the uh, environment type atmosphere. Okay, well, thank you guys for joining us for the class today, and we will be back this time next week. All right. Amen.